You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn East. In Ecclesiastes, we discover that a life spent in pursuit of pleasure, achievement, and control will ultimately leave us empty-handed. Life isn't about what we can obtain, but about what we already have, and learning to receive it from God with gratitude. Welcome to Ecclesiastes, life as gift, not gain. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Peace be with you. So good to see you guys. It's good to be out here with you. Let me uh, move this real quick so I don't bang my head. Um, hey, before we get into the text, I just wanted to uh, kind of piggyback on some of the stuff Lindsay said. First off, if you're on staff here, can you raise your hand up high? Can you guys give these people a round of applause? Over the last 15 and a half, 16 months, this team has worked so hard uh, adapting, learning new skills and new technology in order to serve you and to see our mission go forward, even in a time of a lot of challenges and uh, confusion. And I'm so grateful for them, especially I want to say thank you to Scott Slusher, who's our director of communications and technology. He's the guy who figured out really how to do streaming, how to streamline our communications for you as we're, we're not meeting. And these guys have worked so hard. Uh, a lot of times they haven't really been thanked or encouraged, but they don't do it for that. They do it because they believe in what we, why we exist as a church and they want to see the gospel go forth. And so I want to say thank you to them. I also want to say thank you to you guys for your faithfulness over the last year, for the ways that you guys have encouraged, for the grace you've shown as we're figuring things out and kind of navigating this whole new way of being for 15 months and you guys stuck it out. You stuck with us. And now here we are. We're coming out of that kind of COVID craziness into what I am praying will be a really beautiful season for our church. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for all the ways that you guys have loved us and loved one another. And lastly, before we get into the text, I want to thank God in prayer. I want to ask you to join me in doing so. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us over this last year. God, we know you're a God that you send us great blessings and great joys in life, but you will also send hardships and trials to challenge us, to expose where our hearts are not aligned with your heart, to detach our hands from the things of this world in order to attach them to yourself. God, you are good. Sometimes you're confusing, but you're good. We know you're good. And I pray as we come into your word this morning, enter in and, and learn once again from the teacher, 
that we might leave here with a better sense of your goodness and a deeper trust in who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes is a book that zooms out. And it asks some of the big questions about life. It explores the mystery of life and what's the meaning of life. And it asks questions like, what's the gain of all of our labor? What lasts here? It speaks to these big issues. And what happens in chapter 3 is as the teacher, this, he's almost like a philosophy teacher, he, he talked about the meaning of life and how to find gain all in chapter two and all the ways he tried. And then in chapter three, the conversation shifts. And he says, if we're really going to try to understand the meaning and mystery of life, we have to talk about time. Time. And he writes this poem. It's very famous. You know, the birds kind of, that's what goes through everyone's mind. Uh, and it's a simple poem in a lot of ways, but it's profound because it names something that's so obvious, yet at the same time is so easy to overlook in the day-to-day busyness of our lives. And that's that life, life is seasonal by nature, that our lives are not static, our lives are not just a steady incline upward or downward, but there is a rhythm to life and there are seasons of life that we enter into and enter out of. There's obviously the, 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 the seasons that we think of, like spring. Spring comes, and what do you look forward to? Flowers and planting and blooming and sunshine. And then it also brings some things like allergies or cicadas this year, you know? Then you enter into summer. You look forward to summer. Summer means going to the pool, going on vacation, maybe getting a sunburn. Uh, and then you move into the fall, We all love the fall for a while, and then Louisville, the fall is like a week, week and a half typically. It goes by so quick, but it's the leaves change colors, bonfires, then we enter into winter, things get cold. We've got Christmas, which is wonderful, and all of the hype leading up to Christmas, and then the day after Christmas, you know you're just in for a long two months of cold and dark, and then you come back to spring again, seasonal. And there's good and bad that come with the seasons. Well, the teacher here, he lists 28 kinds of seasons that we experience as human beings. And this list, it's it's sweeping, but it's not exhaustive. I mean, we could add after this year, there is a time to socially distance and a time to gather again. There's a time to put masks on and there's a time to rip them off. Amen? Time for every season under heaven. And one author, he talks about these things because they're contrasting these seasons that he lists in this poem. And he says that in each line, there is something that he describes that will delight the human soul, experience seasons that we look forward to when we really enjoy, but there are also seasons that disquiet our souls, that are hard and that are challenging. And so for the delights, he starts and says, there's a time to be born. Is there anything more amazing than the birth of a child? Holding a newborn and holding that child and thinking of all of the wonder and possibility and what your life is going to look like moving forward because of them. There's a time to be born. There's a time to plant. 
I love the spring. I love driving to the nursery and picking up the, the, the lawn and garden nursery is what I mean, and picking up mulch, mulching the front yard, planting flowers. There's a time to build, to start new ventures. There are times of laughter. You think of weddings and birthday parties. There's times for dancing and times to embrace and times to love, times of peace, times when we have these moments, right? These times when everything seems right in the world. And we just want to hold on to that moment for as long as we can. And the teacher says, those seasons, those exist, those are wonderful, and they bring such delight to us. But there are also seasons of discouragement, hard seasons, seasons we want to avoid, disquiets. It says there's a time to die. There's a time in life to uproot, a time for scattering, a time to give up and to throw away, to close up shop. There's a time for silence. There's a time to weep, time to mourn, time to die, and a time for war. And life, it's filled with both of these kinds of seasons. And a lot of times, both of these seasons happen at the same time, or they happen concurrently, or, or one right after the other. They're good times and hard times. They're times of comfort and also times of confusion. And the teacher is saying, if we're going to be wise, and if we're going to live lives of flourishing, it's not enough just that we know God, and it's not enough that we just know ourselves. We also need to know the times. So much of wisdom, if you read the Proverbs, is about knowing the times. A timely word is like a balm for the soul. Now, because of our disposition, our life stories, personalities, I would say we all kind of lean into and focus more on either the delights or the disquiets. You know, some of us here uh, just focus on the delights in life that we think you're the people who can find a silver lining in every dark cloud, which is wonderful. We really need you people. You're inherent optimists. And then there are other people who, who kind of are always waiting and leaning into and thinking about the disquiets of life. And these are the people that can find the dark cloud looming behind every silver lining. These are the people that see and know that there's eventually going to be another shoe that drops. I even watched this play out on our staff planning this day. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be outside. It's going to be a year. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be awesome. Those are the delights. And then there are others that are like, what are we going to do when it rains? And the Lord kind of confounded us because we had both, you know, like we had both kinds of seasons this morning. Now, we have to, wisdom means that we, we don't just lean into one and ignore the other either way. When we do that, I heard one pastor say that there's a temptation that some people, they fall into what we could call Osteen, as in Joel Osteen spirituality, which those are the inherent optimists all of the time. They're the ones who think, you know, if you just look on the bright side, you're always going to prosper. And the teacher's saying, don't be so foolish. That's not real life. Sometimes you do everything right. You walk in faithfulness and hard times still hit. So we got to avoid that extreme, but we also have to avoid another extreme, which I would call the Eeyore spirituality. And Eeyore spirituality looks at life and the challenges of life, or even in good seasons, they're the ones that see the good season, and instead of celebrating and enjoying it, they think this is going to be over soon. Reminds me of my six-year-old. 
who she, <laughs> when she's having fun and something, she asks, can we do this again tomorrow? And if we say no, then she, it's like, it's like a crushing thing, but we're still doing it today. There's still, still delight and joy to be had right now. But the Eeyore spirituality says, yeah, but it's going to be over soon. And then it's going to be hard times as well. And what the teacher is saying is we have to avoid both of them. Because wisdom requires us to know the times and honor God with our lives as is appropriate for every season. And I think this is a word for us because I think most of us here are probably experiencing some transition of season. Maybe school's getting out or has already gotten out. So you're going from school time to summertime. We're all experiencing the, the COVID time to the post-COVID time. And wisdom is having the ability to say, what is the season that I'm living in? Now, the teacher, he doesn't just want us to recognize the times and seasons. He's also in this poem making a point that we actually have very little control over the seasons of life. Think about it. We don't get to choose when we're born. We don't really choose when we're going to die. We don't get to choose times of war or times of peace. We don't really get to choose when it's time to plant or when it's time to uproot. We don't even really get to choose when we laugh or when we weep. Both of them are emotional responses to life. And this is what the teacher is saying, and it's a hard word for us, but it's an important word. He's saying, you live in a world you did not create and you cannot control. And you have very little control over the seasons of life that come. I think that's one of the most important lessons we can take away from this past year, that life can be upturned in a moment, in an instant, a pandemic, a phone call, a doctor's appointment. Now, the teacher isn't saying that we're completely powerless over the seasons or in the seasons. Instead, he's just saying what what we all know when we're honest. We have such little control in life. Amen? Anyone? We have so little control. We're not powerless, but we have such little control. It's almost like the teacher is saying that to be human is to be like the captain of a sailboat on the sea. And the times and seasons, those are the weather, the winds and the waves. And sometimes the wind is going to fill your sails and propel you forward, and it's going to be wonderful and amazing. And then other times the weather is going to hit, and it's going to feel like it's going to swamp you and drown you. Now, it doesn't mean you can't react. It doesn't mean that you can't respond. What it means is that we can no more control the seasons or times than a sailor can control the waves. A teacher is always driving us deep. He's always driving us deep, saying, you're not in control. Recognize what reality is. You're not the master of your fate. You don't control the times. And we've learned that, and I think that's where a lot of the, uh, the anxiety and the anger and the frustration that's emerged in the last year. Because one of the, one of the great, you know, challenges of us and being faithful to God, we, we do have a lot of control over a lot of things in life. We have more power than most people in human history. I mean, we can even have power over the weather inside our house, the temperature inside our house. How cool is that? We can set it and dial it into a degree or two. And so we live with this kind of illusion that we're in control. 
And the last year, we were reminded that, no, we're just like every other human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. That we have power and we can respond and we can react, but we're not ultimately in control. And this is frustrating. In hard times, we desperately long for the good old days. I mean, we spent 15 months longing to get back to normal. And as COVID cases continue to plummet, restaurants, sporting events, everything's opening, kind of feels like we might be entering a season of delight. And I know some of you are thinking, don't even say that out loud. You'll jinx it because that reveals our hearts. Like there's good times and then, but, but we know the hard times are coming. And next week, we're going to do a deep dive into the teacher's explanation for why God has ordained the world to be this way. But with the last few minutes of our time this morning, I want to let this short, simple, profound poem speak to and challenge us. Because I think one of the big takeaways from this poem, one of the things that it really speaks to us as God's people, is it challenges us in our desire, our exaggerated desire for control in life. And I think one of the the greatest enemies to a life of joy And faithfulness is that exaggerated desire for control we have. Control over our calendars, our schedules, our life events. We want to plan out our days, where we'll go, what we'll do, who we'll do it with. We want to plan out months in advance. We want to earn as much money as we can. Why? Because money is just another word for power, which is another word for control. And the teacher's telling us, hey, let's zoom out for a minute. And let's look at how the world is actually ordered. I want to be clear. The Bible honors discipline, winning, wisdom, planning, and details. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in us that just wanting, wanting to control every aspect of our life and wanting everything to be good all the time. And that's just not how life is. The teacher's saying, walk in wisdom, recognize there's the good seasons and the bad seasons. What's, what's hard or what's true, and then we'll talk about what's hard, and then we'll talk about what's good. What's true is that no matter how hard we plan, we work, we save, there's going to be times of uprooting and tearing down. There's going to be times of weeping and mourning and scattering, and there will eventually be a time of death for us all. That's just true. It's hard, but it's true. I mean, the the teacher says in Ecclesiastes 11, he says, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. It's good to live to a a ripe old age. But then he says, but let him also remember that the days of darkness will be many. That to live a long life is going to be to live a life filled with a lot of joys, but also a lot of sorrow and tears. That's the truth. But what's the challenge for us is, okay, so... If we know that, how can we avoid trying to control everything? How can we avoid, you know, so much of anxiety is trying to control things in the future? How can we avoid trying to control the future? And how can we actually be present in the present? How can we be present today to the life, the gifts, the challenges, and the opportunities that God has for us right now. Well, Jesus' disciples, they were evidently very concerned, even anxious about what the future held for them. 
and they love Jesus and they were excited to be with him, but they're also thinking, all right, but what's going to happen in the future? And if we keep following you, what's going to happen to our lives and our relationships? And so Jesus sat him down and gave him a little talk. And this wasn't a scolding. This was Jesus inviting them into a different way of seeing the world. The way he saw the world. It's in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, Do not worry about your life. Think about this. Jesus speaking. Do not worry about your life. What you're going to eat or drink, about your body, your health, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. We can hear them singing all around us. They don't sow, they don't reap, or store away in barns, and let yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Jesus is saying here, it's profound, and it's actually right in line with what the teacher is saying in Ecclesiastes. He's saying, don't worry. Look around. God provides, and he's appointed times and seasons. He's appointed our birth, and he's also appointed the day of our deaths. And our worrying is not going to change that one bit. It's not going to rearrange God's sovereign plan. Jesus is saying, but that doesn't mean that God is cruel or he is detached or he is, you know, just manipulating things. It means that he is good and he has a plan that we can't always see. But he invites us to be people who trust and who walk in trust. And I would say the antidote to our exaggerated desire to control in life is learning to trust in the goodness of God. And I do think one of the hard lessons God gives us is when we trust in other things, he often chips away at their foundation. And so I want to close by just asking you a simple question. How can you honor the time and the season God has you in, and how can you honor God in the midst of it? You know, maybe it's a challenging season of uprooting and scattering for you. You're still getting your bearings in the post-COVID world. Maybe it's a season of loss and crucifixion. But if you're in Christ, I want you to know that every season of crucifixion in our lives and even in our death is followed by a season of resurrection. That's the promise we have. I would guess, though, that for many of us, it's a time to plant, to build, to heal, a time for laughter and for love and for joy and for vacation and ice creams and beaches and family. Like it's a time right now for joy. And I would say if you're in a good season... Praise God for that and enjoy it. That's the teacher's lesson. He says, just a few verses after this poem, he says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So I want to encourage you this week, carve out some time. What are the gifts? What are the joys that God has given you? Can you thank him for it? 
Because as we learn to practice gratitude, that deepens our trust. And as we learn to deepen in our trust of God, that frees us from this desire to be in control. And as we move to the Lord's table, communion, we are reminded that the Christian life isn't one of grasping after things. It's really a posture of receiving from our good Father. The night of Jesus' betrayal, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he took the cup and said, this is the cup of my blood, the cup of the new covenant for you. So I'm saying, I'm making a promise to you in this meal that I will never betray. And the promise is that I am purchasing your forgiveness, your salvation, and I am setting you free. And so if you're a Christian, we encourage you to eat and to feast, remembering the promises of God, resting and trusting in what he's done and the future he has for you so that you might enjoy and be present today. Let me pray and we will start singing again. I'm Kevin Jameson, lead pastor at Sojourn East. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support the ministry of Sojourn East, visit sojournchurch.com east.